just seem to get both things happening together. The, the struggles of this life, but then the joy that we have in the Lord. They come together in the, the psalm that was just read, and also in that minor key Christmas carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It just rehearses a lot of the challenges of life, but then come to the chorus. It's rejoice. We rejoice, don't we? I wanted to read a little more scripture to you as we get going this morning, um, just from First Peter. It's a passage that we keep referencing as we work through Advent. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the test the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of jesus christ though you have not seen him you love him though you do not now see him you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So once again, these two ideas of the struggle of life, the challenges we face, but the joy, the absolute inexpressible joy that we have in our relationship with the Lord. Let's, let's go to him in prayer as we, as we begin to study his word together heavenly father we thankful that we come together this morning with every reason to rejoice we find joy in you and i pray that as we're here uh, looking in your word as we're challenged by your spirit as we encourage one another with our collective worship of you that we would uh, be drawn even closer into your presence or even maybe more knowingly, more consciously into your presence here together this morning so that you might receive the glory from our praise, from our worship, from the things that we say, sing, and do in our lives, Lord. Thank you. Amen. So here we are, third week of Advent, and as we have been saying, these Advent celebrations are not simply our preparation for Christmas time. It's also a remembering of the Savior who came, right? Not just Christmas, the celebration, but the Christ who came into this world. And it's not just his historical arrival that we're remembering, what happened over 2,000 years ago, but it is also thinking of his second advent, his second coming. And the themes that we've been studying they have to do with that. They have to do not simply with what happened before and looking back, but also as we look ahead. And so this week, we take on this theme of joy, and we think of joy. Well, what is it? Where is it found? It seems that, you know, we spend more time looking for joy and happiness in this life and less time finding it. Um, the world seems to be lacking joy. 
But you know, when it comes to Christmas time, that word pops up here and there. Even in non-religious settings. I mean, joy is a word that, that people find inoffensive. You could, you could cut that little, those three letters out and you could put them up on a, on a mantle shelf and everybody go, oh, joy, that's, that's great. You could hang it on a wall. You could, you could cut three feet high letters and put them on your front lawn. And nobody would come around and say to you, you got to take those things down. Because everybody, in one sense, wants to have joy. They want to enjoy life. They want to feel happy. And that's really what everybody's striving for. Everybody's struggling to have. They, they wish they had this, this happy satisfaction. But you know, it's not simply an inoffensive word, a, a, a nice feeling. There's deep theological meaning to this word, this concept of joy. It is a feeling. But in the truest sense, we find that joy, real joy, is something that is only found, only really found in the presence of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be thinking about that this morning. Although many people would talk about joy and they would be thinking about uh, cuddly kittens and Christmas presents, we're going to be thinking about living our lives in the presence of Christ and what that means and how it translates into joy. And, you know, I, I said to you last week, I said sometimes the, the sermon, the whole sermon is found in the psalm we read. Well, this time the whole sermon is found in the last verse of the psalm we read. The last verse, verse 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And those are the three points that we find as we look at joy in the Christmas story. But before we go there, I want to talk about a little bit just how joy is, is throughout the scriptures and how it shows up. And how it communicates this idea of joy truly being found in the presence of the Lord. It doesn't matter whether it's John the Baptist in his mother's womb. He leapt for joy when his mother's baby bump bumped with Mary's baby bump. <laughs> Actually, they weren't that close. It was just the sound of Mary's voice, right? And it says, John the Baptist leapt for joy in his mother's womb. Why? Well, he was with Christ, or at least pretty close. Closer than he had been. We talk about the believer's life. We talk about people who have the Spirit of God living within them. What is the fruit of that? Galatians 5? Fruit of the Spirit. What's number two on the list? Joy. Because Christ is in us. We think about the whole Christmas story. The angels come to present a message that is joy to the world. We think about the strangers who showed up late for Christmas. The Magi, right? Talks about them in Matthew chapter 1 having exceeding joy. Incredible joy. Overpowering joy. And we know that this is where everything ends as well. 
Jesus in his parable of the talents tells how the master will say to the servant at the end of his time of service who has served well, he says, enter into the joy of the Lord. Matthew 25, 23. And Jesus tells his disciples when he's leaving, so also you will have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In John chapter 16. But you know, we don't just have to remember how joy was in the past. We don't just have to sit around and wait for joy that is coming in the future. We can experience a fullness of joy right now in this life. We can be preparing for that culmination of what joy is. Jesus says to his followers earlier in John, in John chapter 15, These things... I have spoken to you that your joy may be full and that your joy, sorry, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Even now, in this life, as we face the struggles of our present reality, we can have joy. In fact, James says in chapter one, he says, count it all joy. Verse two, chapter one of his letter He says, count it all joy as you face trials. So this concept that joy is not simply avoiding unpleasant circumstances. Joy is something that can be had in the midst of uncomfortable, difficult circumstances. Because it's about the presence of God. Because it's about the presence of Christ in our lives. And you know what? Sometimes we only sense His presence. We're only looking for His presence. We're only desperate enough to find Him when we're facing tough times. Isn't that the truth? And then we think about Philippians 3.10 where it says, talks about, Paul talks about knowing Christ because of the fellowship of His sufferings. And so we begin to develop as we move through the scriptures a theology or an understanding of what real joy is all about. And yeah, we face struggles. Yeah, there are hardships in this life. Yeah, sometimes it's just because there's a nothingness and we feel kind of despondent. And we say, I don't feel joy. And God says he wants us to feel joy. But that joy comes in one way. And that is through living in the presence of Jesus Christ. Well, what does that look like? What is the the process of living in the presence of Jesus Christ? We're going to boil things down or look at one simple part of the Christmas story again this morning. We haven't gotten out of Luke chapter 2 yet. So back to Luke chapter 2 verses Uh, 8 to 20, and we're going to see these three things that come up in uh, that come up in in Psalm 1611. These three things come up in this passage. These three things are all through Scripture as far as how we know joy in the presence of Jesus Christ. And just before we read these verses again, I'll just quiet your hearts a little bit because 
I know there's some people who are concerned. It's already been said this morning that I'm going to deconstruct the Christmas story even more. And I'm not going to do that this week. I didn't find anything that I had to correct in terms of the way what we believe in the Christmas story. But before I read, I'll say there was no little drummer boy in the story. Okay, so let's read a little bit together. Chapter 2, verses 8, it says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away, away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. See this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. We go through this brief part of the Christmas story and we see that joy is about surprise, about being together, and about oh, just the relief of it all. And you could say, well, that could be, uh, could be said about any sort of get-together at Christmas time, right? You think of it. The joy is about the surprise, about being together, and about the relief of all of that, just being together. Especially during a time like this when we're separated and not able to be together. So this is a sermon, so we want to make this a little more theological. Here are the words that that we're talking about. We talk about the surprise and the getting together and the relief. Revelation, incarnation, and celebration. That's what joy is all about. Here in this story, back in the psalm, in life, as we live it today. It's about revelation, incarnation, and celebration. Let's look at these things as we see them in the story this morning. First of all, we have the angel's joy-filled disclosure. Surprise! A savior. Joy is always maximized with the unexpected, right? When it's something you know is coming and, and you know exactly, but, but when it comes, boom, out of nowhere, it's unexpected, that's when we are truly overwhelmed. And here we've got angels showing up to a group of guys who are on the fringes, both socially and geographically. Notice as it talks about them being in the region of Bethlehem. 
this is, these are un, un, unlikely candidates for receiving a divine message from hearing, for hearing from God. Kind of like those women who were going to a tomb, right? They were just the women and they were just going to, to take care of the body. And boom! God sends angels, a div- divine messenger, to communicate to them. Does God do that? We think about Scripture and, and our minds start going and we can think of so many countless individuals who God met with in different ways to reveal some truth to them. Uh, another one that just popped in my mind right now. Wasn't it Gideon who was hiding in a wine press, threshing grain? The angel of the Lord came to him. What about those other shepherds? Moses? Where was he? Out in the backside of the desert? It says in the King James Bible, the burning bush, the Lord spoke to him. What about David? He was in the region of Bethlehem, out in the fields, wasn't he? And God really met intimately with him throughout his time looking over the sheep. And there we have it. Surprise. I mean, I don't know why the angels didn't yell that. Surprise! Except when it's really a surprise, you don't have to yell surprise, do you? You just have to kind of show up and boom, people are surprised. The only thing you have to do is get them off the ceiling, you know, when they, when they, when they jump, when you shock them. Right, Juanita? Yes. Did that a week or so ago. Came in, they were practicing. I just walked up behind her and stuck my head over her shoulder and she was on the ceiling. All the angels had to do was say, fear not. And then they revealed that divine message. They communicated that truth that changes everything. You know, we know of these sort of situations. I already talked about, you know, people showing up. Friends or family, unexpected, after a long time. We know that there, there are those viral uh, YouTube videos of soldiers coming back from war, right? Coming back from Afghanistan or Iraq, and they surprise their family members, right? And we see the people just completely overwhelmed, undone. But there's one more example I'll draw your mind to, and it makes every bit of sense and that is the birth of a child you think about that when the child is revealed the great reveal everybody gets excited about reveals now it's a noun in fact I think that was the last wildfire right in California was caused because of a a gender reveal these people had fireworks going off and then good chunk of land ended up burning up because people wanted to reveal the gender of their child. Which is interesting. Why would that be important? It might change. No, it won't. Can't. Um, but, but, but people get excited about this and it's, it's obvious, it's understandable, it's good, it's right. A child is born. And I know we know about when it's coming, more or less. But then you get up one day and that's the day. And you don't know how long it's going to take. 
But it eventually happens, and there it is. The wonder of childbirth. No, the wonder of your child's birth. And it's interesting because, you know, we think of these things kind of backwards sometimes. We think, oh, we understand, you know, look, Jesus came as a baby. And we understand it because of childbirth. We understand the wonder of childbirth. But the thing is, God created this whole idea of childbirth so that we could understand the beauty and magnificent magnificence of his revelation to the world through the Christ child. So as amazing and wonderful and incredible as it was when your child was born, that was just a little taste of what we experience when we think of God revealing himself through a little child. The angels came and they said, we've got good news. The word right there is the word we translate into gospel. Good news of great joy. The word great is the Greek word, you might recognize it, mega. Mega joy here. We've got good news, mega joy. This is, this is big. Bigger than anything. And the shepherds seemed to understand that, didn't they? They said, let's go. You know, you think of it. Did they have joy? Was it incredible? Angels came to them. I mean, that was a sign. And so often we get caught up in the signs. But imagine if they just sat there in the field going, wow, wasn't that great? Angels came to us. They would have missed out on the actual event. They would have missed out on coming together with God. God in the flesh. And so we see, they go, let's go. We've got to get to Bethlehem. We've got to go see this thing of which they were talking. And when we think about it, we realize, we recognize that is the big deal, isn't it? In childbirth. I remember my wife saying this phrase. She says, I want to meet this little one. I mean, could she be any closer to that child than she already was? It was inside her. But she couldn't wait to meet the child. And that's where we move into this second part where the disciples, or the shepherds, had this joy-filled discovery. They go looking for the Christ child. They say, let's go be with God. They don't actually say that line. But, in essence, that's what they're doing, even if they don't understand it fully. They're going to meet with God. Let's read verses 15 and 16. They say, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem. See this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. They weren't satisfied with simply hearing the news. They had to go 
And we see how this story that began in the region of Bethlehem, on the outskirts, the story came to town. Right? It began in the field, but it moved to the manger. And do we sense what's going on here, the intimacy of this moment? You think of that. Here you've got Mary and Joseph and this, this little baby. And this is a time that, that, that is just for a mother and a father. But then these shepherds who got tipped off, they understood this was an event of national significance for their country, of international importance for all Gentiles, and of eternal proportions. They understood that this was big. And they come crashing into this moment. But as I said, only a mother and a father should be sharing. What made that okay? What made that all right? They were unworthy to be there. But in the same sense, so are we. We're unworthy of coming to this child. But he is the one who makes the difference. Because Mary and Joseph knew this was a special child, they knew he was the Messiah. Because of what the, the shepherds knew, it was okay that they came there. They knew what was going on, and it was something that they were to be witness to. So they were obedient. So they went. The child is the game changer for us today as well. The Christ child. The child that came into this world, that lived the perfect life so he could be the sacrifice for us on the cross. He shed his blood. Paid for our sins. So that unworthy people like you and I could follow the steps of obedience and come to a God who first of all came to us. We're supposed to get together. Get together with God. He did everything. He came into this world. He made it possible through the cross that we come to Him and we're called to respond. We're, we're called to obey. Yes, there's joy in the message, but the shepherds would not have known the fullness of joy if they'd not gone to be a part of the event, meeting the child. Isaiah 7.14. Here we see in the Old Testament prophets, just this focus, the idea. This is the big thing. It's the birth of a child. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which in Matthew, when he writes uh, in the first chapter about Christ's coming, he explains that word. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Hebrews 7 talks about Jesus being our high priest, our intercessor. An intercessor between us and God. Verse 25 of Hebrews 7 says, Consequently, he's able to save 
the uttermost. Those who draw near to God through Him. Since He always lives to make intercession for them. He came to us in this world both physically, historically, but also spiritually. And He offers us in Himself a relationship with God. Do we recognize that me- that, what that means? No, I don't think we fully do. I think we'd be running around like deliriously happy shepherds if we did. But I pray for myself, for you, for us as a congregation, as the people of God in this world today, that we will be growing in our understanding of what that means. And how will we know? How will we know if we're, if we're moving to a deeper understanding of what that means? That God came to us and we can draw near to Him through Christ's blood. Well, we see the results in this story. Beyond the revelation, beyond the incarnation, the, the possibility of coming together with Jesus Christ, we see the celebration. And we see all that was in that. Everyone. A joy-filled dispersal. Witness, wonder, and worship. Let's read these verses. Because as we read in Peter, it talks about those who have faith in Christ have an unspeakable or an inexpressible joy. Well, although the feeling was impossible to explain, the news, the cause of that joy was not hard to explain. And the shepherds were all over it. Let's read. 17 to 20, what's it say? And when they saw it, when they saw what had happened, when they saw Mary and Joseph, when they saw baby Jesus, this one told to them it would be the Savior of the world, they made known the saying, that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. What did the shepherds do? What did they do? How do we see that joy working out in their lives? That joy from the revelation. That joy from the incarnation. Meeting with the Christ child. We see celebration. We see them witness the event. And then we see them become witnesses to others of the event. They came and worshipped. And then in the very end, they're worshipping again. As they walk out of town, go back to the fields, back to life, thinking, what was it we were just involved in? What went on? And they weren't the only ones considering this, thinking about it. They told people. They were running around going, guess what? 
A child has been born. The Messiah has been born. Tonight, here, our town. It says people wondered, puzzled. Could it be true? The one we've been waiting for all these years? Relief from this life that we've been stuck in, that we're, we're not seeing a purpose being fulfilled and one has come that makes sense of everything. It says Mary even was pondering all these things that were happening. I mean, you think, well, if anybody should have known, it should have been Mary. She was told beforehand. And I think on one level she did understand. She did take what the Lord had said to her. But, you know, there's still this sense of, I'm in the middle of this story and I've got to sort of work this out and, and think it through and, and understand what it means. And see how all these things fit together. And of course, the shepherds walking out of town just shaking their heads. How could we be a part of this? What just happened? Imagine, a Savior's come, and we're part of the story. Do you see how things focus, how things come together? We start out in the region of Bethlehem, it says in the first verses. In the outskirts, the message is revealed. Christ is born, the Savior of the world. And the shepherds come to the town, the village of Bethlehem. They come to town and they meet with the Christ child. And then the story even zeroes in even more and we see how this truth makes a difference in the individual's life. The shepherds, the people who hear them, Mary, Everybody is looking, and not just, I think, at the, the international story. Not just going, wow, this is big news for the world. But they're thinking about what this means for them. What this means to them. And because of their part in the story, they were sucked into this joyful experience i'm a part of this and the same can be true for us today no we're not part of that historical story that happened so many years ago but we can have a personal part in this story and we see this cycle of joy that repeats itself even today. There's a line, repeat the sounds of joy. Repeat. We're not going to sing that one right now. But do you realize that cycle of joy can be repeated in our lives today? Let's look at it. Let's consider it. Have we heard the message has it been revealed to us? 
Do you know who the child is? Who he is to you? He's Savior of the world, but he is your Savior. He died for your sins. Do you see? Do you go and see? Do you respond? Do you respond in obedience? He came into the world for you. Do you draw near? Do you go to him? And then the whole idea of this celebration. That's what we come together to do on a weekly basis as a congregation. We come together to celebrate what Christ has done for us. Whether it's Christmas or any other time. That's why we're here. To celebrate. What is it we're celebrating? How is it we celebrate? Well, that one word worship covers a whole lot of things, doesn't it? It covers the the wonder. The wonder of what took place. We come, we sing, we consider. But you know, there's that other W word there to witness. We take the time to look into God's word and to meditate on and to consider all that is involved in what he does for us. What he's done to us. And we consider what he will do through us as we become his witnesses. And that is the the full circle. Because we then can, as as the shepherds, became witnesses. They became witnesses. The ones who are revealing, once again, this great message to others. You see, it started out with the, the angels, right? They revealed. Christ has come. The shepherds go. They see the incarnation. They meet with Jesus. And then they become the witnesses. And they start revealing to other people. There's no greater joy in this life presently amidst the struggles that we're involved in in first of all, meeting with the Lord. Living in His presence. And there's no way to sustain that joy other than becoming witnesses for Him. Think about that. Have we got a lot of joy in our Christian life? An overpowering joy? Do we sense the reality of what has taken place? I know, you know, we come to Christ and and God does a work in our heart. He transforms us. And that salvation is something that we know at that time as we're going through that process. It changes the way we see everything. But how do we maintain that joy? Or how is that joy maintained? Well, through continuing to be obedient. And yes, it's all about drawing near to the Lord. But it's also about communicating that great news of mega joy to other people. And I think about when I am happiest 
in my life. And it's when I am communicating that truth to other people. And I'm not simply talking about, oh, uh, preaching, standing up here in front of, of people and talking about the Bible. You know, you're all going to want to do this now. But when we're out in life and we're bumping into the people on the streets of Bethlehem or Thamesford or Ingersoll and we're sharing with them, do you know what has happened? Do you know of this world-changing news? This life-changing news? for you personally. And I think sometimes people would say and truly, truly say the church has lost its joy. We're not as happy as we should be. And it's because we've fallen short in this area. Not condemning you talking about myself the more we are overflowing with this great news this good news sorry of great joy mega joy the more we will draw near to the Lord through obedience and just sense his joy as we share and see it transforming other people's lives we live in a dark time don't we a difficult time. A time where this gospel, this type of joy is offensive to many in the world. But as it is a reality in our lives, and as it overflows from sincere hearts in a very real experience, there will be those who are ready to hear we're desperate to hear about the Christ who can transform their lives as well. Father, help us. Help us to know. Help us to understand. Help us to go. To draw near to You and recognize the transforming power that You have have accomplished through the cross through coming into this world and Lord may we be ready witnesses testifying to this world of all that you have done may we know the joy that's found in your presence and Lord help us to look forward to that the fullness of that joy the absolute completeness of that joy and the culmination when we will one day live with you face to face forever. Amen. It says in Romans fifteen thirteen, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope.